Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Welcome, Jillian. Hello. I'm so excited to have you back for the release of To Be a Fae Guardian in audiobook. I'm so excited to be here. I really enjoyed uh, narrating the second book. It was fantastic. Such a fun experience. And I was so excited that you can come back and do the second one. I get nervous every time I have a second book and need, a, you know, want or definitely want the same narrator. Definitely. And when people, uh, when people listen, it definitely jars the experience if you're not able to get that same narrator. And I've seen it, I've seen it happen where it really can flow, throw off the flow if, if that happens. So I'm glad I was able to be here. I'm glad you had me and that I could continue telling Titania's story. Of course, yeah. The first time I ever heard your voice with Titania, I knew Jocelyn had done a great job. And I did have a question about that. Did you beforehand think about how you wanted her, the tone of her voice to be and what it should be? Or is that sort of your normal voice? So that's kind of my normal voice. Um, that was one of my favorite things about this series is that I just got to speak it when I, when I performed the narration. I was just able to do it in my regular voice. When I, when I think of myself in characterization of who I am and how I present myself as a narrator, I'm, I'm a teenage fake queen. That's, that's the way that I think of myself. And I've, I've been cast in that role several times. Um, but less often than you would think, but that's the way that I characterize myself in my head. So it definitely felt like a good role for me because it was just simple to narrate a voice that felt so similar to my own. Yeah, I felt so grateful that Jocelyn brought us together and that I found you. The first experience I had with finding a narrator was quite by circumstance. She was just I was at a book con and she was walking around handing out postcards and it was just the right moment and she ended up having the right voice for that that prior series but then to find for Jacqueline to find you I I feel like it was a gift and meant to be yeah it was it was so fun I had never worked with Jacqueline before and she reached out to me in a way that she said she doesn't usually do uh, she didn't do any auditions for it. She just said, oh, I know this book. I know the voice. These need, this needs to be matched up. And she was right. I completely agreed with her on that one. And I'm glad yeah, you did too. I completely agree too. So tell us a little bit about how you experienced Titania and the differences maybe from the first and second book. So Titania really has grown into herself as she progresses from the first book to the second book. And she's more of a force to be reckoned with. She's still nervous. She's still battling with her anxiety. Um, but she's a little bit more certain about who she is as a ruler and that she deserves to be there. Um, so there's a lot of, I, I don't want to give too much away as I go into it. I'm, I'm so nervous about giving, giving spoilers. Um, but there's with her voice, there's a little bit more strength in this book than in the last one, um, just with who she is and, and how secure she is in her reign. Because even though you hear 
in her internal dialogue, you hear that she has those hesitancies. Uh, outwardly, she appears pretty confident. So that was a fun change to, to have uh, in narrating her voice and even having that internal conflict within herself and, and seeing, you know, everything isn't exactly as she presents it to be on the outside, but she's still a strong roller. Yeah, I love doing that in this book. The first book was definitely she she was just getting her feet wet and she didn't know where she was going to land. And then in this book, I was really able to have her even like you said, internally, if she was like, oh, my goodness, externally, she was definitely a force to be reckoned with. I had a lot of fun with that. Yes. And I especially loved with the element of her anxiety. I love that um, it doesn't, you know, without without too many spoilers. I love that in this in this book, it's harder for people to make that stick as an accusation as far as, oh, you're an anxious queen, because she does do such a good job of maintaining her outward ability to to hold her reign and to manage her kingdom. And I love that in this one. Right. And she's definitely proving herself and sometimes in ways that people don't want her to prove herself. We can say that at least, right? Definitely. And she did have some personal struggles, which some of my readers didn't like how long I let that go on for her. Um, Some of her sadness. And that was interesting for me to hear as feedback. Obviously, I, any feedback is good for me because I like learning more about writing characters and but I wanted her to be real and to be a 16 year old and to be a little bit hurt at times and how you process that and how long that may stick for but partly I was like well it's only like a couple of months in the whole span of the book and then I'm like how did I write 95,000 words for two months of someone's life right (laughs) yeah and it throughout the book especially with this one uh she it is a little bit more about that internal struggle. The external struggle that's happening, the, the, the actual conflict within the book isn't as, isn't as climactic in the sense that it's as, as dramatic and as intense. It's really more about the, the emotional turmoil that, she, turmoil that she's going through throughout. So, you know, I, I feel like that really resonated throughout this book, just as she moves forward as a queen and some day-to-day issues that she's having that end up being big issues, um, but it's it's more about the way that she's struggling internally. And I like that you let her have those struggles. I really enjoyed that in this one. Well, I definitely remember being heartbroken several times as a teenager. So I was trying to tap <laughs> into that inner teenager who is still in me. Yeah, and that um, I don't know. Are, is is it okay if I if I talk about Prince Holden a little bit here? Yes, but we're really not sure what goes on between Holden and Foster and Quinn, so that's yet to be determined, right? Yes, yeah, it's it's so it's this like this triangle situation, this this confusing, and and I I love. I love the strength of Titania in this one, regardless of what she's going through emotionally and and what she's going through romantically, which, you know, was a a heavy lead in the first book um, with the romance and romance was an element in this book, but primarily it's about her focusing on herself and who she is as a queen moving forward, regardless of what's happening with her various personal situations and relationships. Yeah, I loved bringing in the new characters to the new, uh, her three cousins who join her from their sister kingdom, I guess, sort of. I love them so much. 
I love the voices that you created for them too. I was like, okay, did she like read through the whole thing and study their personalities and then decide on the voices or did she just pick them? I did. Yeah. So I always read through a book before I pick out any voices for them. But when I, when I'm first introduced to a character, I kind of get an idea in my head of how they might sound. And with these three, the three cousins, they really had distinct personalities where, you know, one of them was, I, I made her very teenagery and she kind of has an attitude. I believe that was Gatuka. And then um, Makani, I made her deep, a deeper voice. And she she's a little bit more serious to me, the way that I voiced her. And then um, Isla, um, she's the younger sister and she's a spitfire. So I had her be, you know, a little bit more of a, like a, like a fun preteen. I mean, I guess she's a teenager, but just a fun, fun situation there with her voice. So I really enjoyed, I felt it was very distinct with how I was able to voice them. And I enjoyed that. Right. Yeah. I thought you were right on as well. And <laughs> I tried to make them, their personalities like most kids in order of, you know, you have a first child who's going to be following the rules and do it, being responsible and doing what they're supposed to do. And then the middle child who may be like a little more quiet and deeper. And then the youngest who's I'm all over the place here. So. Yes. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I love doing Isla and having her be all over the place with the voice. I made her a little higher pitched and she was, she was just, you know, your, your little sister. She's everybody's little sister. That's, that's who her character got to be. So fun. And do you have any predictions for the next book? Do you see where this is going at all? Um, I have a few predictions um, that I'm thinking romantically think it might go, but I don't want to go too much into that. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm a little nervous to go into that, but I am really intrigued to see the way that the cousins fit into this um, and the darker elements. Um, I don't have too many predictions about what I think are going to have is going to happen with the darker elements, but just the way that uh, the darker characters came in. Um, and really messed with Titania in this one, you know, that the way that they, the, the, that they took form in this book, I'm intrigued to see how that plays out in the next one. Yeah, so I don't know if you've read the crossover series, probably not, it's a long series, but the Kingdom Journals was a series that, where I started my fantasy writing, and it's a series about a trinity of witches that have to come together to break a curse on the witch lines. And the main evil character in that ser series is Sonia, who we also start to see in this second book of the Realm Chronicles series. So I'm excited for the next chapter of what those evil beings are going to be up to, because really a major arc of like the Kingdom Journals and then the Realm Chronicles is going to be battling those evil creatures that are living in lower earth so yeah I love the way that the the series come together I have not read the other series but I love that the way that they're coming together and the character of Sonia she's so mysterious and creepy and just has everyone on edge all the time just curious about what what she's going to do next and and just you know mentally torments uh titania she's trying to figure out oh what is what is going to happen with sonia as we move forward right and then we have that little twist in the end of how what they were hoping to do by thwarting one of the evil beings is not really what happened so i won't yes. give this list away but yes <laughs>
Yeah, I wrote a little more of Sonia's story in a prequel to the Kingdom Journals. It's called Kingdom of the Damned. But so it's a story of one of the witch's mothers, but her nemesis also is Sonia. So you see Sonia over the progression of like from four, the mid 1400s up to 2000 and you see all the evil things that she's up to and you don't really know why though so I think that's going to be coming in this series that I write a whole backstory prequel of why she is so evil although evil being it's funny because I had this whole discussion one time with an author about evil beings could just be evil they didn't need to be evil right <laughs> and I'm like um that's I I don't know if I can handle that yeah give her give her a little backstory give her a reason <laughs> right yeah I mean evil just for the sake of evilness is too scary for me to even <laughs> contemplate so you said that this um so you said something about in the 2000s I and I know that this book um takes place in modern times what what year um, would to be a fae guardian and to be a fae queen what what year are they taking place so let me let me calculate so the trinity of witches were all born in the year 2000 and when they okay. came of age at age 18 so that makes 2018 is when the kingdom journals were taking place so 2017 2018 and those series just covered a year so that would be about 2019 2020 so it's a little bit okay. in the past now but when I started it, I guess it was right. <laughs> yeah, right time. around the time, maybe the future. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I don't think I'll bring in any of the current world events. I don't like doing that. <laughs> I like that it's separate. And I like that it's kind of timeless with you get that it's modern, but because you don't have the current events, you don't know exactly where it falls. In this particular series, you don't know exactly where it falls in the timeline. I like that. Yeah, and I know it doesn't really matter for the story. Um, I am going to bring in some more of the Kingdom Journal's characters like Hunter and Alina and Camille, who's, who are those trinity of witches, and a little spoiler alert, have her working with them a little bit more in the next book. So I'm excited okay. to bring in those characters as well, and I'll have to... I'll have to send you the audiobooks for those so you can listen to those voices. I would love to. Yeah. And I, so I, more of the next book will be in the Upper Earth territory. A, a little bit more. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. That yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. Because what I did with those books, they're called Kingdom Journals because each one is written through the viewpoint of a different character. So we have two female characters and two male characters that told their story, but it, kind of continues the whole arc of the story throughout but they get their personal stories as well as continuing the the main story cool very cool I would love to listen to those <laughs> and it's so weird in my mind I and I've set aside July to start the next book so maybe by January I'll give it to you and you can start recording the next one but um in my mind, I already have the third and fourth book planned out. So that's good job security for you, hopefully. Yeah, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome that you already have them kind of mapped out in an idea and I'll be around when you need me. Yay. And I know your daughter started listening to them. You told me that, yes. right? Yes, actually. So she was, um, she was feeling a little bit lonely because sometimes I have to come in here and I have to work and record and I have to stay quiet. Um, so what she did was she would sit outside my booth, which is just in an office in, in our house. And she sat outside and she was working with clay 
while she was just sitting there. She wanted to be near me. Well, I didn't realize how much she could actually hear of what I was reading. And she ended up staying for several hours while I recorded because she really enjoyed listening to, to be a fake guardian. And she made me this little, um, she made me this little, I don't know if you can see it. It's, it's a little fairy reading a book, an audio book. So it's me as a fairy, uh, reading an audio book was just, just so cute. And then, um, we went back and she's actually listening to the first book of the series because she just fell in love with the characters and she's so sweet. She loves listening to mommy's voice. She thinks I'm famous. So <laughs> you are famous in my eyes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah so really she's, she's really enjoying listening. Um, some of it's a little bit old for her cause she's eight. Um, but you know, it, it, I told her, I was like, it's a little bit of a kissing book, you know, like princess bride, it's a kissing book, but if there's a kissing scene, we just, skip past it or I mean she's fine <laughs> right well that's the one thing about fantasy I feel like it spans like a broad age range because my mm -hmm. mother-in-law told me because I was kind of anxious for older people to read it and thinking they may not be as interested and my mother was like this is my favorite one and I was like wow that's that's great yeah my mother-in-law actually listened to it and loved it so <laughs> I love she always listens to my books too and she really enjoyed this one she's excited to listen to the second one thanks well I'd love to know more about you I mean we talked to it previous about it previously but I want my readers again to know more about you and how you got into narrating I love I love your story and I love why you do it uh, so I used to be an English teacher I was a high school English teacher for 10 years and it was my passion it was everything I love to do in this world and I got sick I have a, a chronic neurological issue and I had to leave the classroom and it was awful and completely jarring because you know that's that's where I wanted to be I thought I was a lifer um, and I love I loved reading and connecting adolescence to literature. That's my absolute favorite. Sorry, my husband's calling me. Let me turn this off. Um, so it's it's my absolute favorite connecting young readers with, with books. And when I was out of work, I was very sick and I actually couldn't read books physically myself. So I started listening to audiobooks a little bit more and I'd always use them. I knew about them and I used them as um, supplemental tools in my classroom. But um, the accessibility of audiobooks really, really came into play in my life in a way that was so special and so profound and so important when I was on disability and unable to read. And once I finally started getting better and I still wasn't able to go into the classroom, I started looking into how I could become a part of the world of audiobooks. And even though I couldn't be in the classroom any longer and, you know, my life path kind of took a hard turn in the other direction, uh, it still allowed me to connect with young readers, to connect with a, a wide variety of readers and promote that accessibility and allow for people to connect with literatures in a different way than they otherwise would have. So I really enjoy being a part of it. And it's something that has, it means so much to me. And I never knew that I'd be here, but I'm so happy that I am. <laughs> And it's such a great story of, yeah, just pivoting when you need to and finding mm -hmm. your second love, maybe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would have loved you as an English teacher. <laughs> I love my <laughs> English you. teacher, although in high school, I hated writing and I love reading, but I hated writing. So it's kind of weird that really all I do for my job is right now. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's it's funny how, how those elements just kind of pop up and, and end up growing. I mean, like, 
I, I loved teaching and I loved teaching for the people. I loved being there for my students. I loved it. I call them, they were my babies, even though they were, you know, bigger than me and teenagers. Uh, and now I stand in a booth and talk to myself. I talk to no one all day, but <laughs> you know, there's, there's still pieces in there that are, are of me and that are of my, my previous life and that I appreciate and I enjoy. Is it hard to stay in your booth and, and read? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I've actually taken to um, recently doing TikTok lives from in my booth and recording large sections of the book. I did that with this book um, because it helps me feel a little bit more interaction. Uh, it helps me motivate me when otherwise it's just, you know, keep yourself moving forward and just just talk to the microphone by yourself in the booth. Um, right, yeah, so I've started imagine. doing that. I can imagine that. And yeah, it was super fun. I think you read the first two chapters. Yeah. TikTok, so people can go back through it and find those. And yeah, it was super fun to me to listen into. I, I wholly love my characters. And my husband laughs at me because whenever I get in the car, I'll put on the audiobook and I love listening to both of the ones you recorded. Those are my favorites. And he's like, why do you keep doing this? I'm like, I'm doing research. He's like, no, you just you just love it. I'm like, it's okay. I love it. <laughs> That's okay. I'm glad you love it. It's it's just a fun experience being with the audiobooks and and hanging out with the characters in a way that you otherwise don't get to do when you're, you know, I don't want to say just reading, but it's a, a wholly different experience. It is. And I made it so I can own well, of course I reviewed and proofed your book. Like when I was sitting reading the book. <laughs> yes. Here's the cover. Yay. You did have it right there. But then um like I, I went, I wanted getting ready to write the third book. I wanted to go back and read the first and the second in order. So I made sure I had all my facts in line and get all my new ideas going. So I, but I made myself only listen in the car, but then I was like, Oh, I think I have to go to the store to get some milk. Oh, I think I have to. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden you have your Bluetooth headphones in and you're just <laughs> sneaky listening. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> it's great for cleaning or cooking or any of those tasks, right? I, I, yeah. I re weed my garden as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Folding laundry. I, this was what audiobooks were a lifesaver when I started, you know, being, being home more and, and by myself and, and it feeling, you know, like I'm not interacting as much. I would just pop in my headphones, listen to my audiobook, And it's, it's just a fun experience. And it's, it's a fun way to interact with a text that otherwise you wouldn't be doing if you were just folding laundry because you know you can pop on music but that's that's not as it's not the same kind of thing right yeah I do enjoy music sometimes it gets me yes. motivated inspired and I can definitely go there I've been wondering if I should start playing music while I'm writing I've never done that yet so I may try it we'll see yeah, work through a few different playlists, see what your what the music is that you vibe with best when you're well, when you're yeah. writing. And interestingly enough, I create playlists that are like themed to my book and I have the, all those on Spotify, but then I don't like listen while I'm writing. I don't tend to listen to background stuff while I'm working. So we'll see if that's my next evolution or not. Well, anything else that we need to talk about this book? We don't want to give away spoilers. Um, I am going to have the, what do you call it? The, the sample, the audiobook sample. Yes. I'm going to have that after this discussion on the podcast so everybody can hear the sample right in the show. And that will be super fun. 
If you guys haven't started the Realm Chronicle series, it is the first book is To Be a Fae Queen. Sorry, this is my not for sale <laughs> copy. <laughs> and then the second book is To Be a Fae Guardian. And like I said, it's crossover to the Kingdom Journals, but that is definitely not required reading. And like yeah, they definitely fun. serve as standalone books. It is its own separate series. Like I, I said, I hadn't read the other series, but this one stands alone and the characters, even though they, they merge together at some point, you, you certainly can read these two quite well on their own. They're, they're fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't, in my first book, I wrote um, Kingdom of Embers. I left it initially on a complete um hang cliffhanger and some people were like I hate this I'm so mad at you <laughs> and I did go back and do an extended finale but I don't do this that with either of these books they're closed um so the plot comes to I think a good ending and then but then you have a question or two that you know you're going to find out in the next book Yes, yeah, I'd say that sums it up perfectly. That's that's exactly the way I would feel about it. It does close. It does give you this, you know, element of conclusion, but you you still care enough about the characters and what's happening that you want to move on to the next one and that you still have some questions about a few things uh, as they move forward through the books. Well, I definitely hope so. I love these characters probably more than I should. I'm too invested <laughs> in their lives to ever give them up. So anything what's new for you what are you recording right now um i am working on a few books uh for tantor um which is a, a publisher that i can't really go into too much uh with what they are but i have a romantic comedy series that i'm working on right now and then i have um a time travel book that i'm doing i'm all over the place with genres i'm, I'm everywhere with it with my genres everywhere and then the summer schedules just a little hectic with my kids you know i'm surprised they didn't come crashing in here during this interview uh, to be honest because uh it's interesting and it's it's funny if you watch on the TikTok videos or if you watch anything the behind the scenes are so different than the final product you know my kids will run in asking for snacks but you never you never hear it in the final product it's it's never it's never there um so yeah things are a little bit chaotic with with um, my schedule but it's it's definitely it's a good time I've been having fun with the different stories that I get to tell and the different characters that I get to embody <laughs> good good yes I am always I mean I don't really understand how audio clipping <laughs> and I'm sure they do the same thing with video clipping too but I've had a lot of readers ask me when I, especially with production of these two audiobooks um, like, how do you fix something and it just sounds seamless? I'm like, I don't know, but I tell her <laughs> that's the wrong word or it should be pronounced this way. And she redoes it and they just edit it in and it, she doesn't have to do the whole chapter again, but you can never tell in the end product. It's amazing. Yes, that's something that is that we do, they're called pickups. And I get from my engineer, I get something that he tells me these are the changes that need to be made. And then you tell me the changes that need to be made. And we just kind of slip them in there unnoticed. Um, now a trained ear could possibly pick them up, maybe. Um, but for the most part, they're completely seamless. And I love that. I, I love I love that you you have no idea all the different stops and starts that took place during this book, because there's a lot of them. It takes <laughs> It takes at least two hours and many, many hours of editing to get two hours of recording to get one hour of audio. So it is, wow. 
it is a, um, an interesting process and it's fun to see the behind the scenes and then to listen to the final product and how how much actually went into it. Yeah, I would, I'm super impressed every time I think about it. And I, I can guess it would be like, you know, we, we used to have the typewriter. And if we missed a, a, something on a page, if we made an error, we'd have to retype the whole thing. And then they had the little things with the screens. You could go back 60 characters and fix it. And then it would print <laughs> it. And, you know, now it's printed on, you know, corrected on the fly. So I'm guessing voice technology has just evolved to that point as well. Yes, yeah, it's definitely, it's evolved even just the few years that I've been doing it. There's just so many changes and so many strategies and so much to learn about audio that I don't even know about half of it. Um, I, I know what I need to know, but there's, there's so much that goes into it, especially with sending things out to my engineer and everything he does. He, he works some magic on that. Very cool. Well, I so appreciate you be, being here in your busy summer schedule. I hope you get back to enjoying your kids and a long weekend. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend as well. It's so lovely being here with you. Thanks. And we'll do it again in like maybe nine more months. How about that? <laughs> okay. All right. That sounds good. I'll be here. <laughs> Take care. Bye. All right. Thank you, you too. Bye. Black, dark void. Falling. Hurling. Head over heels through the nothingness, my body flails about as I try to right myself. Bam! I slam into a hard surface, and the air swooshes from my lungs. Arm searing, I push up on my hands. White vapor appears from nowhere, and it writhes and swirls in front of me, then freezes into the form of a face. A woman. Sonia? Reconfiguring. Another visage forms. Abaddon. A thin smile spreads, and the image morphs into that of Lucifer. You will not succeed. Darkness always prevails. Sucking in a breath, I open my eyes to see faint shadows of the crystals hanging above. Alive. Awake. In my bed. In my castle, in my kingdom, in my realm. I exhale. Sweat hangs on my brow, and I toss my covers and cross to the water bowl. Dousing my face, I lay my palms on the soft wood of the bureau and inhale. Exhale. Just a dream. Neither Lucifer, Abaddon, nor Sonia possesses powers in my realm. They cannot hurt me or any fae here. I lord their mutant kobold army who attempted to invade us into the deep, dark abyss of lower earth, ending the hideous beasts. Yes, Lucifer, or whatever evil spirit I encountered, thought it could trap me in that realm. But the goddesses granted me power to escape. Inch by inch, I stretch my aching wings to full span. Perhaps the trinity of witches. Alina, Camille, and Hunter curtailed the power of evil spirits inhabiting Lower Earth. I pray they did, after we risked much aiding them, opening our rings enabling them to pass into the Dark Realm. Maybe Sonia, as well as her son Thanatos and grandson Theron, have been dealt with. My mind spins with the quandary. How does one curtail the power of a spirit? Good or evil? Souls remain eternal. There is no way to end one. 
At least Sonia, Thanatos, and Theron cannot pass through our rings. Only souls of the Creator can override our ring magic. Bumps form on my skin, and a chill crawls down my back. Yes, Lucifer and Abaddon possess the power to enter this realm. No histories describe them doing so, I assure myself. And again, they hold no power here. Still, I have no idea what the witches hoped to or did accomplish in Lower Earth. An image of Hunter's pale, slack form crosses my mind. I hope he lives. I fold my wings on my back and spin to face the window, the faintest glow of light slipping around the curtains. I cannot tarry on this issue. There stands no use while the High Council controls my rings, and therefore my access to Upper Earth and the Trinity Witches. This challenge brings me to a bigger problem. Aleem's trial. The High Council charges him with treason for allowing the witches, more particularly the female Alina, being a vampire-witch hybrid, to cross our realm. Lifting my eyes to my crystals, I say a silent prayer to the goddesses. My mind jumps to another problem. The speed of charges brought against Aleem, resulting vote for a trial and descent of the High Council guards, gave me no time to replace the set of ring crystals I had lost in Lower Earth. Without them, I have no access to Lower or Upper Earth, and the High Council has Aleem guarded day and night. I doubt I can contact him without being discovered. Does he possess an additional set of crystals? Has he instructed one of his judges to secure them for me? Or shall I ask someone else? Who could I trust with such a task? I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Trisha Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic. <laughs>